And I want to encourage people who are afraid of this word polyamory because it's so scary. But I think the principle of the way that we love can be much bigger than just mononormative. You know, you are my partner and you are my everything and I want you to be my best friend. All of these things at once is something I think we could all learn something from. Welcome to Wild and Sublime, a sexy spin on infotainment, no matter your preferences, orientation, or relationship style. Based on the popular live Chicago show, each week I'll chat about sex and relationships with citizens from the world of sex positivity. You'll hear meaningful conversation, dialogues that go deeper, and information that can help you become more free in your sexual expression. I'm sex educator Karen Yates. Today I interview author and illustrator Sophie Lucido Johnson about men love her memoir about embracing polyamory keep listening if you are a wild and sublime fan and want to keep this podcast going consider joining the afterglow our wild and sublime community on patreon for as little as five dollars a month you get a bonus q a session with experts every month where you get to ask the questions my weekly audio creator notes and more Plus, you'll be able to stand proud knowing you just received the sex positivity badge on your sash of life. If a monthly membership is not your thing, consider throwing some bucks in the tip jar in appreciation for our work. More info is in the show notes. Hey, folks. We are continuing Summer Book Month at Wild and Sublime with an interview I did in the early months of the live show with author and illustrator Sophie Lucido Johnson. And let me say, Sophie's Instagram account has some pretty neat illustrations and she does pet portraits on commission. Just saying. I also want to say that she drew a bird next to her signature when she signed my book and that felt very special. Thank you, Sophie. Sophie's birds, by the way, are quite excellent. Okay, now for the polyamory, because I figure you haven't pressed play for the birds. Sophie's book, Many Love, published by Simon & Schuster, is a very cool and intimate recounting of her transformation from monogamist to out and proud polyamorist. There are many charming and deft illustrations throughout the work that augment the book. Kirkus Review called Many Love, quote, a refreshingly candid and provocative narrative, illuminating and entertaining. Sophie Lucido Johnson is a writer and cartoonist in Chicago. Her work has been published in The New Yorker, The New York Times, The Believer, The Guardian, and lots of other places. She is also the author and narrator of Love Without Sex, an audible original that explores non-traditional relationships. And I've just started listening to it and it's really cool. This interview took place in December 2018 at Stage 773 in Chicago. If you are wondering about the extended bit of laughter in the middle of the interview, I'm pretty sure I was doing an air metal guitar riff. Enjoy. I uh, met Sophie at book launch for Many Love at Women and Children First, which is a remarkable bookstore on Clark if you've never been there. And I just beamed at her throughout the whole show. I fell in love with you. So far, our love hasn't turned into more than a smile yet. Yes. One never knows. This is a really amazing book. It almost felt like we were in sleeping bags together, like at camp, you know? (laughs) Then, you know, and then I moved to New Orleans, and then we did this, and I'm like, "Uh uh uh-huh, uh-huh, yeah. Because you really take the reader 
by the hand into the micro movements of Holly lifestyle, right? Thank you. It's because I'm trying to date every reader. (laughs) 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 Thus, the connection I feel with you. We've already kind of gone on a date. Yes, I know. Right? So the book is actually illustrated because Sophie is an illustrator. So many of the um, pages have illustrations, cartoons, and fantastic grid These were very useful about types of polyamory, types of jealousy. That was fantastic. One of the things you say early on, and I love this, one of my intentions in writing an account like this is to flex the possibilities of what can be meant by the word relationship. And what I loved is that your relationships are very fluid, and I would love for you to talk a little bit about that fluidity. Yeah, it's weird to be on a show that's so beautifully about sex when I wrote like a poly book that's sort of like, but it's not really about sex, everyone, but it is sort of about sex. I think that the intention, the way that I'm living my life right now, and I'm very happy living my life this way, is to approach all relationships like they might be just as important as any other relationship. So a relationship with someone I'm sleeping with might be just as important as a relationship with a friend or with someone who is a mentor. And so that I can really (coughs) spread out my priorities and make my network gigantic so that if something happens with someone, you know, I have a big, vast sea of other people that I love. And I want to encourage people who are afraid of this word polyamory because it's so scary and I'm not ready for a sex party. I mean, everyone is ready for a sex party, it seems, but there are some people out there in the world who aren't ready for a sex party and that's okay. But I think the principle of the way that we love can be much bigger than just mononormative, you know, you are my partner and you are my everything and I want you to be my best friend. All of these things at once is something I think we could all learn something from. Yeah, we dump a lot on partners, don't we? Yes. And what I love is you cite Andy Nordgren, who wrote this treatise called Relationship Anarchy. You can find it online. It's really beautiful. It's, it is a very short read, but it kind of talks exactly what you're saying, that we can look at our best friends as the most important relationship right. in our life, as mm-hmm. well as our lovers. Mm-hmm. But, you know, poly comes in many forms, yes. right? Yeah. So there's open relationships. And you talk about the difference in your mind. What's the difference between poly and, say, open Yeah. So the way that I usually describe it to people is, you know how every square is a rectangle, but not every rectangle is a square. Do you know this? You know what I'm talking about? Everyone is saying this. So every poly relationship is an open relationship, but not every open relationship is a poly relationship. Mm -hmm. A poly relationship, the distinguishing factor is uh, consent on all parties. Yeah. So if I'm partnered with you, we both agree to tell everybody else we're partnered with sort of everything that's going on between us. And so everyone's sort of connected. Within that, they're sort of like telling more and telling less. So I practice a style of polyamory that is sort of called kitchen table polyamory, which means (laughs) all of the partners could sit around kitchen table and have a conversation and be close to each other. The alternative to that is parallel polyamory, where we're talking about everything, but I don't want to know your other partners. Like, you go do that in your world. Tell me about it. Tell her about it. Tell him about it. But let's keep things separate. Right. And then there's this idea of the metamor, which is like, if we were seeing each other, you know, another one of your partners is my metamor. Got it. And it can be so beneficial, in, in my estimation, because I'm poly as well, to meet someone else's 
partners because if you're liking the other person, jealousy doesn't happen as often. It's crazy how true that is and how much when people approach polyamory, they think, oh, I want to do the parallel model because I just don't want to know. Because I'm too afraid I'm of jealousy. I'm too afraid that it's going to be painful. Yeah. And I think what happens then is we tend to otherize. We tend to think, oh, this other person might be really scary and really gigantic and, and awful. And, and it's easier to dislike someone who you don't know. Well, the insecurity comes. Maybe they're right. better in bed. Maybe they're more handsome, whatever. Right? Yes, and also fuck them. But also fuck them. Exactly. But like when you sit around with people and you get to know them, you realize we're all kind of afraid of the same things. We all kind of want the same things. We all want to be loved and to feel safe. And so for me, that's been really integral in my relationships is, is having them sort of all be connected. Yeah. One of the things that really struck me about your book is all the various folks you talked to. You called Dan Savage up. You had a conversation with him. (laughs) (laughs) You talked to Dan Savage. Uh, It's really cute. I know we have problems with him. Like, I understand that there's problems with him now, but (laughs) still. And also when we talked on the phone, he was buying orange juice at Starbucks so he's in the he was like in the middle of a sentence where he's like, Harry and I have our dicks and everybody just one orange juice, please, no no ice. I was like, the life of Dan Savage is what it's like. He reframed monogamish for you, which is such a huge term now, right? Yeah. So what did he clarify for you? I think that like Dan Savage for a lot of us came to us in moments where we were trying to sort of expand our sexual vocabulary. And I think he's a really good kind of like intro for people who are thinking maybe I'm not just a sort of a hetero person in the world. I, maybe I have something that's different about me and I want to explore it. So it was really helpful. His podcast was helpful for me, you know, years ago. I really appreciated just the way that he opened up these ideas. And, and I think now he and I have some different ideas. Mm-hmm. I went on his podcast and we... That's so much shape. Did, did you have some brangles? Well, you know, he is a white man and he likes his voice. And so <laughs> there are just like moments where I felt like I had a thought, but I didn't get to really come through with my thought. Wasn't allowed to bloom. Yes, I wasn't allowed to really blossom. But I have a lot of gratitude still for sort of his definition of monogamous is like, I'm sort of in a relationship that's really serious, but it's not fully monogamous because we like have open relationships with other people, but this sort of primary partnership really matters to us. But I'm kind of rejecting primary partnership these days. Right, because you're married to a man and you also see other people, including women. Yeah. Yeah. My life is so fun. Yeah. This is one thing you said that I loved. This is probably my favorite sentence in the whole book. I was actually discovering something very important about polyamory. It's not so much about letting the people you love sleep around. It's more about allowing yourself to let go. And, you know, I think that, for me at least, isn't just about polyamory. It's just about being in a relationship. You can be monogamous and this still hits home, right? You can't control this other person in your life. If you're having problems in the relationship, there is a letting go that has to happen, right? Just a relaxation into what is. Right, yeah. The notion that we do want to control everything in our lives, but there's just very little we have any control over. And the release is very comforting and powerful, especially because I think relationships change and we don't want that to be true. 
We'd really like to like pin them into place. We want to sort of make them into a statue. And that's what marriage vows remind me of. Like, this is always going to be true. I promise. I'm saying in front of my dad. So (laughs) (laughs) but relationships just don't work that way. Because we're changing. Everyone changes all the time. So a lot of like what I want to promise to people is I promise that I can't promise you anything. And I promise that as I change, I'll communicate that to you. And as I start to have feelings that are uncomfortable, that we'll process them together and that, you know, you'll be in the loop. And that is, um, that doesn't mean you're not in painful relationships. It just means that the pain is out there so we can all be in it together. You do spend a whole chapter talking about jealousy. And, you know, it sounds like you process a lot with your partners, right? Yeah, I love it. Yeah, because it is, it's that vulnerability piece that we were talking about earlier. Let's open that up a little bit, but also talk about the unicorn word, compersion. Explain compersion. Explain to folks who don't know what compersion is. What is compersion? I hear some grumbling in the crowd. Yeah, I hear a rumble, rumble, rumble. Uh, Dan Savage hates compersion and I, that as a word because he just doesn't like how it sounds in his mouth. He's like, compersion. But um, it's, a, it's, it's a very useful word. It's the way it's defined. It's the opposite of jealousy. So it's that feeling you get when something really good happens to your partner and you feel like really happy for them. And I think this is Wait, let's be clear, around another relationship. I think that it doesn't have to be. Okay. I actually think it's like a really useful term. My jealousy arises way more around competition in like the sort of creative world. Sure. So a lot of times when someone's like, I just got published in, you know, Vogue, I'll be like, good for you. But then I'm like inside, I'm rotting and wanting to. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But every once in a while... I totally know what you're talking about. (laughs) Every once in a while, it happens to someone I really love and the feeling is really different. It's like, wow, I really feel happy for you. And that's really exciting. You're actually making me realize something. I've started really not being jealous of my peers and their success because I start thinking, well, they're successful. That means I can be successful too. I mean, it's like, yeah, this can happen. If you can find compersion with your friends, there's a good chance you'll be able to find compersion with romantic relationships. I've been feeling it a lot with romantic relationships lately just because like I hate going to metal shows, you know, like that's the worst thing I can think of. Yeah. Um, I don't think I'm doing it correctly. (laughs) Yeah. I I don't know. My husband loves going to metal shows, so when he finds a hot girl to go to metal shows with, I'm like, that's great! (laughs) Very genuinely. Hooray! That feels really true. Well, thank you so much. Thank you for having me. It's so wonderful to talk with you. This is a cool show. This is Many Love. Go out and get it all over the the universe. The universe. Thank you so much. To learn more about Sophie Lucido Johnson, connect with her and get her book, go to the show notes. Many Love is on our bookshop site, a wild and sublime affiliate program. Buy the book on Bookshop and help independent booksellers and wild and sublime. The work I do in biofield tuning, an energy modality that uses sound waves to help repattern your bioelectric field, can support you in getting out of stuck behaviors and become more aware of different choices. If you are interested in working with me or learning more about my weekly group biofield tuning sessions on Zoom on a variety of topics, including increasing intuition, expanding consciousness, 
balancing your energy centers and more, go to karen-yates.com. That link is in the show notes. Wild and Sublime is also sponsored in part by our Sublime supporter, Chicago-based Full Color Life Therapy. Therapy for all of you at fullcolorlifetherapy.com. If you would like to be a Sublime supporter showcasing you and your business and supporting us at the same time, contact us at info at wildandsublime.com. Well, that's it, folks. Have a delightfully pleasurable week. Thank you for listening. If you know someone who might be interested in this episode, send it to them. Do you like what you heard? Then give us a nice review on your podcast app. You can follow us on social media at Wild and Sublime and sign up for newsletters at wildandsublime.com. I'd like to thank associate producer Julia Williams and design guru Jean-Francois Gervais. Theme music by David Ben Porat. This episode was edited by the Creative Imposter Studios. Our media sponsor is Rebellious Magazine, Feminist Media, at rebelliousmagazine.com. Ooh.